Did anyone smoke? Oh, are we allowed to pour coffee in the middle? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think let's do a refill. Here we are. Thank you very much. <laughs> and you're just, it was this too strong for you? It was perfect. Peter, yeah. Absolutely perfect. It's okay, there you go. Thank you, star. There we go. And you've got enough tea there, have you? Well, you should have oh, yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> that should it's keep delicious. you going for the day. <laughs> it is nice tea, Thank isn't you. it? It's yes. really lovely, yeah. Yeah. There we go. That'll help us. Help us along. While travelling around the Highlands and Islands, one thing we learned pretty quickly was that you're never far away from your next hot drink. Can you do you drink tea? Do you, yes. Do you drink tea? Yes. Because I'm going to make a pot of tea. And I, I, I can you lick tea. We're shitting fuck Alex tea. Oh, the time, the, the day is young yet. There were all that old Chetland sayings, and you it used to be in Chetland. You you might have said that somebody was come to visit you. They would have sort of said, "Well, it's time to go now," and you'd have said, "Night is young yet." All you ever worry about here is you watch there's no animals around can steal your food. And this is fine because there's no heating on anything like that, and there's a little lid for there. Beautiful. That was fantastic, thank you. The second leg of our journey took place in May of 2022 and saw us head north, starting along the northern coast of the Highlands, before taking to the seas to visit Orkney and Shetland. These northern isles in particular have their own singular spirit. From around the 8th and 9th century, these two archipelagos were under Norse rule for about 600 years, and many customs, traditions and linguistic traces remain today. One thing they do share with the wider Highlands and Islands, though, is an almost tangible pride in offering a warm welcome to visitors. Welcome back to Spirit, discovering the Highlands and Islands. I mean, you can go to a lot of places in Scotland, like Inverness, Loch Ness, magnificent sites. But when you come here, the friendliness, the acceptance... Uh, especially as a Welsh guy, I've come here and I'm just like part of a family, just, just accepted. That's Robin. When we spoke with him, he'd only been living on Shetland for seven months. He'd moved from Wales to be with his partner Kerry, but already considered himself a firm part of the Shetland family. In work, we we got a um, lady who works in the, the kitchen. She's from Cambodia. We've got um, Darren, he's, he's from Nottingham. We've got a young lady who's just I now from... Uh, Lithuania and everybody's just welcome it's, it's just like one big it's just like a family and that to me where I work sums up Shetland is acceptance that's the word I would use if you come here you are accepted no questions asked you're just welcome and that's what I like about this place and it's not just a feeling of acceptance and welcome that Robin's noticed he told us stories of his new neighbours going above and beyond to help out like it was nothing. I'll give you a classic example. We ran out the gas. We had a leaky gas cylinder, didn't we? Yeah. And we were talking to our neighbour by then. We said, well, you know, we're going to have to bite the bullet and buy a new one because we'd only just bought it. What was it? About three weeks? Quid, 90 quid. Three yeah. weeks and it, it was empty. Um, and they were coming to inspect it. He said, he said, hang on, mate. And he went up and he bought us a small gas cylinder. Down. He said, you use that until the new one comes. That's the spirit of people, isn't it? That's exactly what it is. I turn and have a friend, postman, and they just open the, open the porch door, put the mail inside, go out. So we'd never have any problems about going to the depot. I mean, 
uh, being a postman from where I come to, you don't do that. You just don't go in someone's porch. So I went, he's what? He's put the mail inside the porch. What? <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> believe that. I, I get sacked for doing that back on my face, but standard procedure, yeah? They're not here, just leaving the porch. Because there's no letterbox. I didn't realise it didn't have a letterbox. I just opened the door, put the mail in, and walk out. <laughs> I went, we've never done that. Almost as if to prove Robin's point, the next day we were in Nesting, a little village around a 20-minute drive from Shetland's main town of Lerwick, speaking with Jean and her friends Magni and Eunice. Sure enough, halfway through our chat, who should turn up but the postman, who casually popped into the conservatory and dropped off her mail for the day. She sat by the fire and um, the posty come. Hello. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, the story I was going to tell you. Sitting in that conservatory, chatting with Jean, I was struck by something else. The warmth of spirit we were experiencing along our travels wasn't just a practical one. Beyond a ready supply of tea and biscuits and a hearty welcome, the people we spoke with had a generosity of spirit that I haven't often come by before. They'd eagerly share personal stories with us, memories of lives lived that others might want to keep for themselves. I was born in... 39, the year the war started. Mm-hmm. And when was two born? Those older as me. Yeah, I was born in 34. Yeah. So I can remember a good but a good to war. It's, it's no good memories. It's, it's no good memories because uh, I had six uncles from my mother's side and they were all called up. Mm-hmm. And you can just imagine what like it was all that main in the house. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they were gone. And you can just, you can just imagine what like it was for the, for the mother. And did they all survive? They all life? survived, yeah. Robbie was in Ireland. Jordy was in Wales. Uh, Wally went uh, to the fighting in France and Germany. Magni went to India. Uh, Jimmy was in Orkney. And as a child, I can remember them coming home on leave. They would come home, you see, on leave, and then, and then they had the cooking. <laughs> and you see, there were just the one post office in the village, and there were no other way of communicating. So if you saw the postmaster coming, that was very frightening because he could have been coming with news that they were dead or wounded or missing. So, so had, you know, it wasn't good. And then letters would come. You see, they would write home and uh, we would write to them like, and you might have got a letter that was saying all was well, and the next minute they were gone. Back on the mainland, I found myself wondering more and more about this warmth of spirit, this willingness to share things with an outsider like me. In Thurzo, I asked Norrie about it, and he told us how this attitude was simply baked into local communities. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think communities in the in the Highlands are, are constantly changing, if you like, these days particularly. But it's such a nice place to live. So th- th- there's a constant, uh, there's a bit of a change goes on. I came here myself, attracted by the, the natural beauty of the place. Um, 
And uh, but the community uh, really have been great. Everybody helps everybody, looking out for everybody. I mean, it's been quite, uh, you know, something like COVID. You can see how everybody just they're so used to helping each other that there wasn't a massive sea change, if you like. But everybody keeping an eye out for everybody, dropping off food to, to elderly people checking they're all right, etc. And that that's just the normal. I mean I and, and I think the, the, the kind of pop the population are kind of much more integrated from top to bottom, if you like, from old to young, because there's there's just less, you know, there's a fairly small population. Um so uh, my kids grew up always being very comfortable uh talking to, to older people. Um and uh, I think that's quite noticeable now, even as adults, you know, they'll talk to anybody, basically. Uh, so, yeah, and the crofting community, everybody, will, you know, uh, shares materials, um, kit, etc. So it, it works. It works quite well like that. And it is a, the population, I guess, is, is low enough that you can actually know a, a a large chunk of the population and uh, that it's part of the, the culture to really catch up on what everybody's doing. You know, you <laughs> could be perceived as nosiness in certain parts of the country, but it, it really, um, there's a constant dialogue about who's doing what and whatever. So, uh, which is actually quite an important thing, I think, in, in a community, you know, in terms of... Uh, um, so it's kind of like it's almost an oral history thing, really. I, I suppose, um, but uh, it's just been a. It's very, you know. Uh, there's, I, I, mean, I probably have locked my door ten times in twenty odd years. Uh, shouldn't tell the insurance company that, really. Um, but yeah, you know, you you just don't have those sorts of concerns, really. Norrie promises us that he is now locking his door, just in case his insurers are listening. Meanwhile, on Orkney, we met Carol, who works at the Pier Arts Centre, a fantastic, vibrant art gallery on Stromness's harbour front. I finished our chat by asking her the same question I asked everyone. What is the spirit of your region? And her answer was definite. It's, it's about that, um, and I am very clear about this, it's very much about that outward-looking attitude that the Arcadians have. Um, if you look at a map of, of you know, either the Northern Hemisphere or even the world, and you put you look at where Orkney is in that map and it's almost in the centre. You know, it's it's just it's always had this um points, a central point where it's had people travelling through in you know in ancient times, Neolithic times, to, you know, during the Napoleonic Wars through more modern times, the the base for you know Scapa flow, you know fishermen coming, you know that that kind of location that brings people here, and travelling through, and and Arcadians just by nature having that kind of outward approach and welcome to 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 people who. Yeah, we're essentially passing through. You're just likely to go into a bar and meet, you know, a a, a Polish sailor, Tashimas Heaney, the poet. You know, that it's that um openness that I that really for me sums up what Orkney is about. 
What's interesting is that Carol isn't an Orcadian born and bred, but the warmth of welcome she received on arrival has meant that she'll probably be one for some time to come. We've, we've been here ever since, I, and the first Saturday, the first weekend, we came here to the Peer Arts Centre, and I can remember the what is now a, a back of house office was the, the reception area in those those days. And I can remember coming in and speaking to, to Maureen Gray, who was this original administrator here. And we were talking about knitting, but I just I just thought, oh, I've you know, this is this is the place, you know. <laughs> and I, I and it's one of those those things you 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 know, when you reflect when you've been on somewhere a long time, you begin to think, well, what is it that's made us stay here? And the peers had a huge, huge influence in that. You know, I'm not sure if the peer hadn't been here, because, you know, in those days we were just coming as, as visitors or, volunteer, you know, doing bits of volunteering and participating in events and things within the gallery. But if it hadn't been here, you know, it's that, would, would we have sort of thought, well, you know, we've been here six years, you know, it's time to go to the Western Isles or it's time to go back to, to Edinburgh or whatever. Uh, but I think the, the peers had a huge part on that you know, influence on being based, based here and staying, staying here. Yeah. If you're visiting the Highlands and Islands, I guarantee it won't be long before you have a story of your own, of someone helping out unprompted, of an invitation unexpected, or simply a hot cup of tea just when you needed it most. Remember Robin, who'd moved to Shetland to be with his partner, Kerry. We also spoke to Kerry that afternoon, and she perhaps gave us the final piece of the puzzle suggesting that it wasn't just the local population that was welcoming to visitors, but also the land itself. I'm Kerry Mayer. I'm 74 years of age, transgender. I had my um, gender reassignment surgery back in January of 2020. Yeah, 20. I was going to have one back in 1990, but I chickened out. So anyway, my wife, who was female... We'd been married 27 years. We arrived in Shetland uh, 14 years ago. And she sadly passed away uh, on the 17th of December of 2020, about just about almost a year after my surgery. My wife got cancer, the first cancer she had, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, I'd been cross-dressing for a number of years and I knew I was transgender, but I was never had, I never had the inclination, well, not the, the, the guts to, to actually do it. Uh, anyway, she was in hospital in Aberdeen and I was sitting in the porch out there looking at that lovely view. And uh, I got very depressed and I almost walked into the sea and just decided to do away with myself. But being a strong person, I came back from the brink and uh, went to see my doctor and said, help. Anyway, um, two and a half years later, I'm having surgery. And uh, then um, sadly, she died. Anyway, she's buried in Leavenwick, in Leavenwick Cemetery. I think there's ley lines going through here. If you believe in the ley line situation, I think that might be prevalent. Um, but it just is a place where it restores you because you haven't got the hubbub of the great big city. And it, this is why people come up here to... And there is a, there is a, a nunnery up here uh, called the, the Ladies of the Isle up in Unst, and I know them only too well because I used to do satellite work for them. And uh, uh, our ladies of the Isle, they, their community, uh, they, they sold up and bought another place on Ernst. And it, I spoke to them about the restorative and the, um, the healing properties of living on a small island. And that was a huge, 
And it's a huge revelation that when you do come up here and live, that you become part of the, of, of the island yourself. You become part of the earth. It's very spiritual. I suppose that the, the closest I can think of would be Stonehenge and Glastonbury in that context. There are very few places left in the world that have the uniqueness of Shetland. I've got to say that. You could say, you know, you might want to go to St. Pierre de Miquelon, which is just a little French island to the south of, of Newfoundland, which I've been to, and that's pretty unique. But it's, it's, again, Shetland, you could go to Bali and say that's unique. You could go to um, Bermuda, which I've been to. You could say, oh, Bermuda's unique. But there's something very unique about Shetland. It's very hard to put your thumb on. Join us next time when we take a musical tour of the Western Isles. See you then. This podcast is part of the Spirit of the Highlands and Islands, a partnership project between the Highland Council and High Life Highland, which is delivered in collaboration with Visit Scotland. The Spirit of the Highlands and Islands project is supported by a grant from the Natural and Cultural Heritage Fund, led by Nature Scott and funded by the European Regional Development Fund. For more information and to hear more stories from the people we spoke with, visit discoverhighlandsandislands.scot. The podcast was produced by Smartify, written by Peter Knowles, with sound design by Renato Camillo.